0: Masters of couch potato style punches and popcorn Welcome
1: to a special episode of Punches and Popcorn, the show where we dive into the best, the worst, the history and the science of martial arts film. Our podcast family on the Lunchador Podcast Network is kicking off a major relaunch, and we wanted to join in the fun by giving you a special peek into our future. Today, though we're previewing our future, we're actually leaning into history as we bring you a very special preview into a brand new adventure our show is embarking on, an adventure we've dubbed Once Upon a Time in the 80s. That's right, we're going back in time to a decade of Neon and Ninjas, where we... For the first time, released episodes in a season format, diving into some of our favorite martial arts movies from the decade we were raised in, the 1980s. I can't get this journey started on my own, though. I need my friends. My friends forever, who stick together through thick and thin. I'm talking about my fellow Couch Potato Ninjas, who keep us staying on top, because we play to win. I'm your host, Michael Huntone, and my friends rocking the stage with me tonight... Are our resident genius and schlock apologist, Jason Bills.
0: Um, I can't speak for the rest of you. Um, just kidding. We're all orphans here, but we're going to come together through thick and thin to get this done.
1: And of course, our own walking weapon, or maybe today's sitting weapon, the performing professor, Dr. Taekwon Dam Damore.
2: <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. This... I have never enjoyed a movie this devoid
1: of talent. It's amazing. (laughs) But that's not all. That's not our only friend. For a journey this big, we need another friend. And tonight's special guest, a guy I consider the 80s pop culture aficionado, historian, and preservationist, from the horror movie barbecue blog, Mr. Chad Young. Where the hell did you... Find this son of a bitch. A friend!
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Shut up! Wasn't that what he did? I don't know. It was pretty accurate. Yeah, pretty much. And and you know what? Still not as good as he is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, while our season. Uh, Once Upon a Time in the 80s will officially kick off in February. We're bringing you now a special episode uh, on maybe the most 80s martial arts flick of all time to whet your appetite. We're talking tonight about 1987's Miami Connection. But before we begin this dance into history, into ninjas and rock stars and bikers, we need the razor-sharp brilliance of our own genius, Jason Bills. Genius, schlock-apologist extraordinaire... Please get us started with a word from the gospel, the gospel of the guillotine.
3: You got it, genius. Genius. I'm a genius. He's genius, eh? Wildly coyote, super genius. Was it you, genius? You little genius, you.
1: Being a genius certainly has its advantages.
0: It's hard when we talk about a movie like this, like a, almost basically a found movie, because you know, oh. Uh, I guess I'm jumping into the future, but we eventually discuss Big Trouble in Little China. So I can like talk about John Carpenter, or just cool like movie nerd stuff. But in this case, uh, we have uh, none of like in terms of, you know, movie nerd street cred with like a tour directors or cool like history. It's it's tough. So gospel might be weak. I want to apologize for uh, that right now. But I wanted to talk about seems to be definitely the engine of this movie, Y.K. Kim. Um, so he is not only produced the film, he starred in the film, he co-directed the film. Uh, this is his baby. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into a lot more during our conversation. Uh, but I just wanted to give some background on him in terms of his rise to whatever notoriety he has currently born in 1946 in Korea. He had his black belt in Taekwondo by age of 13. He was kind of renowned um, I guess in whatever uh, circles uh, in that community, as far as my research, you know, showed me. Uh, eventually, he immigrates and comes to America to kind of make a big splash over here. 1976, he actually first moves to Argentina. Then in 77, comes to New York City, and then within a year, moves to Orlando, Florida. He, I, again, this is weird because this is kind of like myth almost based on what I'm reading. He you know shows up with just his shirt on his back and somehow eventually within time opens up his own dojo which eventually then becomes like a franchise like he he sort of takes over like the orlando community with like dozens of franchises i i in my research uh, someone called it from the orlando weekly they said it was the mcdonald's it's kind of like a, i don't know if it's a put down or just cookie cutter but the mcdonald's of uh martial arts schools in central Florida. So he's kind of took over the scene and people adore this man. Like I, I couldn't find anyone. Cause as I was reading more, I'm like, this is kind of culty cause people just worship him. But I can't find like, you know, like eventually there's eventually some people that come out, you know, if there's a cult situation be like, okay, this, this was shady that didn't happen here. So early '70s, he's building his martial arts school. Taekwondo is a big deal in that community. And again, people adore him. But then he gets into like self help stuff. He eventually writes a book about self help called Winning is a Choice. He also starts like um, charities and other things. Um, He has infomercials in the middle of the night like i actually on the uh disc on the vinegar syndrome disc i was watching was the infomercial that would just play in central florida in the middle of the night called uh new american dream and he'd like inspire people like you know we need to exercise it kind of like a schwarzenegger type thing like if you exercise you're just gonna be awesome that seemed to be the the, the takeaway from it like if you do cardio you're gonna have a million dollars so it's just, it's just <laughs> an interesting figure in the in the community <clears throat> And eventually it led to this movie, which I kind of want to leave off here because we can get into that now. So that was it. I just wanted to give you some background on this guy and this kind of enigma in Orlando that to this day, he's 77, I think, is still kind of charming, charming Florida.
1: Important intro, too, because this movie is so much about him. And again, the movie we're discussing is, as I said, in my opinion, is the most 80s martial arts motion picture ever. Again, this is Miami Connection. This 1987 film, the master plan of this legendary Taekwondo, Grand Master, right? Uh, YKK Mm -hmm. would fuse martial arts, rock music, ninjas, and coke deals all under the neon lights of 1980s Florida. So I like, Jason, you mentioned that it's kind of like a found film, which is kind of some interesting history there. Kind of disappeared in the 80s and then came back in 2012. And uh, Chad, we were talking before this. I know... You were part of you were someone who saw this when it had its like re release and really got all the buzz behind it in 2012. Hoping you could tell your audience or our audience your experience of the first time seeing this here in Rochester. Oh, jeez. Well, <laughs> so oh, Lord. Well, first off, I actually saw it in 2011 through
3: oh, a all tape right, you were the tape, tape of it, like it was like a 10th generation copy. Uh, (laughs) Travis Indovina showed me a copy of it, and uh, he was like, hey, man, have you ever heard of Miami Connection? I was like, what? And I was like, isn't that Gloria Stefan's band? And he's like, no, it's, uh, (laughs) it's, it's... (laughs) and he shows it to me, and I can't believe it. And I think that he had gotten a copy from Sean of VHSPS and I think Sean had gotten it from Chris Seaver and so on and so on. So it's been circulating and I I can't remember who has that copy now because we all kind of just passed it on to each other. Mm -hmm. But I became obsessed with this movie because I couldn't believe what I had seen. Mm -hmm. Like, this was the most insane, nonsensical movie (laughs) I had ever seen and that should be saying a lot till that point, but yeah uh, so I, I i got to see it when it was before it actually got you know the theatrical run by uh, draft house and the blu-ray and you know they did the reunion so it was kind of fun to see them like announce it and be i, I was like oh i just saw this last year so this is great you know but to see mm-hmm. all these people discovering it because of you know draft house and you know obviously now vinegar syndrome it, it was really cool because at first it felt like a small little like club. And now we're able to kind of welcome a lot more people into the club who love it just as much as we do. I started showing it to other people. And eventually they, they got hooked on it. And the Little Theater, which, um, you know, I, my favorite theater in the entire world. I, I miss it every day. But they actually showed it for like their Friday night. You know, I forgot what the what the series was called at the time. This was was that
1: part of the Saturday Night Rewind that our friends at Fright Rags do with them. This was it was it was before that, I think this was
3: going back. Yeah. So I got to see that on the big screen and it was just such a thrill to see so many people who were just like "Uh, Miami Connection, never heard of it. So they're seeing it for the first time. I think the only other person that had seen it was Travis who was in the back literally after every scene was literally laughing and going, what? And like, just because, just because he wanted to be a jackass. Um, (laughs) This is a good movie for that. It is. It's the best movie for that. Like if you can see this, if, if I don't know who has the theatrical rights or, you know, screening rights now, but If this is a movie that's being shown at your local theater, do not pass it up, especially if it's with a crowd, because this is the movie you want to see with a crowd. Oh, yes. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's
1: funny. My introduction to it was kind of similar a little bit, though I didn't actually get to see it. So I know this movie, it was kind of a legend in the 80s VHS world, uh, which is another reason why I'm glad we're doing this, because... Uh, You know, to me, 80s movies, VHS go hand in hand, right? And this is, like you said, one of those kind of legendary movies. I actually didn't know about it until a few years ago when uh, a coworker of mine and friend who is uh, like half my age that, of course, as these youngins are love the (laughs) 80s stuff. And he's a super 80s fan, like diehard, you know, authentically diehard. I love the stuff that he gets into. So he I know he is super into VHS. And he had mentioned when I told him we were starting the show, he's like, oh, me and my friends like to go to Record Archive, uh, you know, for people who are listening outside of Rochester. This is like our big record oh. video store in Rochester. Uh, they will sell VHSs and stuff. And Mike had said this, my coworker was like, we'll just look at a cover and find the craziest mm-hmm. things we can find and buy it. And this was one of the movies that. He's like, oh, you've got to see it. It's so crazy. There's like ninjas and there's rock bands and uh, Taekwondo and all kinds of stuff. And I, when I brought it up to the guys here, our OG member Matt Knotts from Anomaly was immediately like, oh, that's like one of my favorite movies. We've been trying to show that at Anomaly forever. So so I'm glad that we could kind of start here. Uh, Jay and Dom, I don't. did you have any experience with Miami Connection before we decided to do this episode no
2: in fact <laughs> i no 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 so in fact so this is, <laughs> it's the first week of classes for me so i've had a lot on my plate and i'm like i don't even know if i can make it today and so i'm like all right I, I i got the green light and i'm like okay i'll watch this movie no prep didn't know anything about it i'm like oh, it's just a Grindhouse flick. You know, the kind of thing I would watch on USA Up all night as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so I start watching it, and I was like, wow. Oh, my goodness. This is something. We'll, we'll, I feel like we'll get to the something later. Yeah. <laughs> this is something.
1: We'll get to there, soon. We'll get to there and, soon.
2: And I started off with a kind of like, geez, why are we watching this? This is really, <laughs> really low quality. And then I had to stop because I got interrupted and I Googled the movie. I'm like, there's got to be some context. At least I can look up who YK Kim is and stuff. Yeah. And when I learned a little bit more about the origin of this movie, you take it with a little more of a grain of salt. And so like, I enjoyed it a lot more knowing that, that like, this is not a professional venture in the slightest. Oh,
0: no. no,
2: no. This is, and, and when I say devoid of talent, I don't mean natural talent. <laughs> I mean, it's devoid of experience. It's devoid of training. It's <laughs> devoid of all that stuff. No, these are just like, yeah. these are just like dudes uh-huh. who are, who like, are like, let's make a movie mm-hmm. yeah. and raise the million dollars and made a movie. Like there's no, there's no, like they didn't consult, you know, they weren't like, you know, no one had any acting experience. And I'm like, in that context, it was pretty good. (laughs) You know, honestly, I felt like I, I, when I, when I started watching it, I went into it as a movie critic. Once I found out about the origins of the movie, I felt like a parent going to a kid's play. And I was just like, (laughs) yay, good for you. (laughs) And it made it a lot better for me. So I feel like context has a lot to do with this movie. 100%. And like, just the the balls, I'm going to say it, just the balls of YK Kim to be like, I'm going to (laughs) make a movie. And he raises a million dollars and he makes a movie by himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's yeah. that's something that is something yeah, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and that's shows. where I am so literally I heard about this movie after I started watching it so I have a very interesting take <laughs> that
3: says a lot I heard about this movie after while I was watching it like and this is one of those movies that I don't think I, and I don't mean to speak out of turn but I don't think you forget ever seeing this movie even if you only (laughs) watch like 20 minutes of it yeah like right i my my best friend is not one of those like cult films you know geeks like we are and i showed it to him and to this day he still brings up miami Connection. he's like that was the worst piece of shit you've ever made me watch (laughs) and he and he he does he doesn't like trauma. He's like you made me sit through all those trauma movies and then you make me watch this. So <laughs> it's like you don't it's not a movie you're going to forget. Good no. or bad.
1: It's just mm. not. Oh, that's true. Uh, Jay, do you when did you first I'm assuming being our schlock apologist this is <laughs> not a new one to you. When did you first encounter Miami <laughs> Connection?
0: Yeah, it was right around when uh, Draft House Films picked it up. Picked it up in two thousand twelve, and I, I was looking into that, and it was kind of interesting because one of their employees, who's actually on the, uh, he, the, I think it's Zach Carlson, he basically bought this movie on eBay, like the actual physical reels for fifty dollars. Like at this point in two thousand twelve, <laughs> or I guess it probably was probably two thousand nine or ten at that point. It's a it's a lost film. Like it showed in a right. few theaters in Miami. In 1986, it did nothing. You know, YK Kim was brokenhearted, and and that was that was the end of it. And so, um, you know, just a huge movie fan working at Draft House Films at the time took a chance on an eBay buy for the reels of the film, and he couldn't believe what he had when he had it uh, when he you know received it and screened it in the messed up, chopped up version that that he received it in. And they eventually ended up theatrical re-releasing it as you know you were saying, and um, eventually hit. Physical media, which is when I stepped in, <laughs> as yeah, that's usual. Uh, and, and again, Draft House Films did Blu-rays at the time. So um, I picked that up and <laughs> watched it at my home alone. Uh, different experience. And uh, I was blown away. I didn't even need an audience to just be mm-hmm. super I- involved in this saga, this this orphan saga.
1: Yeah, it's truly an, un- an unforgettable film. Well, yes. I, let's jump into the story, guys. And I love that... Just as you said, even 20 minutes in will be unforgettable. Uh, This movie really starts us off with an introduction to at least what any of us who didn't live there are going to immediately think of 1980s Florida. And that's Mm -hmm. definitely coke deals and ninjas.
3: Which, who knows? Maybe that's still Florida to this day. We don't know.
0: Well, it was funny because I was listening to the commentary, which has Zach Carlson and YKK Mm -hmm. on it. And Zach was like, so, again, like Dom, you were saying, this is, you know, this is not a Hollywood production. These aren't sets. Like this is just literally they're just in Miami in cool you know, locations they could steal, or maybe they get a permit because Okay, they're you know, not
2: they're... in Miami. They're in Orlando in most of this movie.
0: <laughs> That's a good point too. Thank <laughs> you for calling that out.
2: So any no, I'm not calling four, you out. <laughs> four, this four, is something no. I wanted to bring up. Why is it called <laughs> Miami Connection and the in, almost the entire movie yep. is yep. not in Miami? Because yep.
0: you called based on where the movie started, I think it opened in Miami. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Yes. yes. because they they announced quite prolifically that they are Miami Ninjas. Yep. Maybe they had a, you know, out of town, you know, out of town game. That's that's what was going on here. Oh, maybe.
1: And uh, you know, back. honestly, Miami Ninjas, so I love that like this is a thing that we start with. Uh one, this is a great introduction to the 80s, right? We've talked about in our Ninja November, uh, one of the biggest tropes of the 80s, especially in martial arts was ninja Mm that you know we talked about the canon movie trilogy ninja trilogy like 80s ninjas were everywhere right so it's great that we start here and i love that we get the multicolored ninjas we get the black ninjas and the white ninja (laughs) right away right and it like what's the better fusion of 80s cult like 80s movies than coke deals and ninjas
0: That's how most candid
1: movies got funded, honestly. It's true. Right, right. (laughs) And then we segue from that right into another super 80s moment. And that is Band on Stage. And we Mm. get a a truly special song. We're introduced to our heroes and uh, apparently the, the guys that run Orlando or the Orlando club scene. Apparently, and that's Dragon Sound, and that song is "Friends Forever."
0: Uh,
1: guys, what were your initial impressions of so, Dragon Song?
2: So I, I Dragon Sound. I, I ju- Excuse me. I, I need I need to <laughs> to jump on this one because I texted <laughs> I while I was watching the movie, and this is before I knew anything about it. So this was like right away. I texted Mike. And I'm like, I can't even say here what I said about that song. It was, <laughs> I was like, it's just so like uh, cheesy. I think I'm I'm gonna say that here. Um, <laughs> but I will say this about Friends, it's an earworm, man. Really I've been singing is. it all day. Oh yeah, all day oh, yesterday. Really? I played yeah. it for my wife and my kids. My wife loves it. My kids, <laughs> mine are one and a half and three and it's a great... (laughs) They're like... They're dancing around, and like... (laughs) Loyalty, honesty, and I'm like, oh, man. Earworms don't have to be good. They just have to stick. And that song (laughs) is duct tape tar. Like, it is stuck (laughs) to my brain. So, you know, we can criticize it. We can say it's terrible. We can say it's lame. But you know what? It it beat me. I, I'm mm-hmm. defeated. I was defeated by Friends by Dragon Sound. It, it is now tattooed. That doesn't sound like the most ringing
1: endorsement. I got beaten by, uh, it, it doesn't, no. by Dragon sound. You're like haunted by this. I was mostly drawn in first by uh, I, I forget which guy, if it's John, the just amazing, perfect 80s mullet and mustache combo. Oh, that's John. Tom. Oh, that one's Tom. That That's Tom, Tom. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Who who will be a very important I mean they're all important, right? And it really does set the tone for the movie. This movie really is about friends, right? Mm-hmm.
3: First yeah, time I, I heard this song, I was like what third grade class decided to write this for a bunch of <laughs> grown men? Because I it, because it literally this is your intro scene to Dragon Sound and you're like okay these aren't the the heroes of the movie. Like, oh, they are. Okay. All right. Whew.
0: Yeah. Yeah, They're kind of like the group of guys that are getting bullied before your true, you know, movie heroes show up to to save you. Yeah. But no, that's that's what we're stuck with.
3: Yes. And you're like, oh, cool. The the heroes are going to come in and save the day. And like, you know, these guys are going to be in the background of the whole movie playing. mute. Nope. Nope.
1: Nope. It's not how this is going to work at all. I mean, what's great is that uh, we soon learn in the movie that they are so good, at least in the eyes of this club, that that club owner is like, basically, fuck everyone else. Get out of here. I only want Dragon Sound from now on. Uh, And then we're taken to, which I think is the first time we get a clue, right, that we're actually in Orlando, not Miami. (laughs) When we're at one of the many times we are very specifically shown that we are on the campus of University of Central Florida, UCF. Jason, I know you had talked about that Y.K. Kim has had all these martial arts or schools around Orlando. Apparently on the commentary, this guy, according to him, and uh, I forget who was the other actor that was on it. He was like a a legend in Orlando. And I know the the guy from Draft House had asked, like, oh, how did you get to film on like on UCF's campus or something. And apparently all of Orlando loves YK Kim and was just like, according to them, shoot everywhere you want. So we see
0: that they're in Orlando and That's then we get to meet. That's weird about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's and then we get like, to meet. The, oh, like, did ahead. you get permits? It's like, no, everyone really likes YK around here. It's mm-hmm. it's unbelievable how just they had access to, you know, streets. They're, they're just shooting machine guns, you know, <laughs> it, it, again, not in Hollywood sets where it, you're, you know, film your movie just on open streets like i cannot believe how they got this done it's unreal i right, feel like it's... yk kim if i can if i can speculate i feel
2: like he's he's a I, I, maybe not an i don't want I, he's probably a very nice guy right but also i feel like he's a very friendly guy mm-hmm. like yeah. the impression i'm getting like he writes oh, this yeah. movie about a group of guys who are best friends all orphans and are there for each other 100 percent he has yeah. all of these academies in um in in orlando who, people who love him i looked him up on the internet he's always got a smile on his face he seems oh, yeah. very enthusiastic really? like i can see why he was like i have charisma that charisma can translate to me being a leading man in a movie. It did not. <laughs> I mean, I'm not an actor, but I've learned today that you need more than just friendliness and charisma to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> and he learned that too. But otherwise, I, I honestly, he seems like he's a pretty cool dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: it's wild, like you said. That, right? He had no experience in filmmaking. He just it decided, sounds- oh... There's martial arts movies like Karate Kid. I can do this too. And like literally every actor in this movie is one of his like thousands of students.
0: Yeah, inverse of what they were saying in the commentary. Like usually you have to um, fake it where, oh, you need this actor to have martial arts skills. Where this movie is the inverse of that, where we have all these martial artists that have to fake being actors. Like it was kind of an interesting perspective. And
2: Didn't
3: fool anyone. (laughs) Yeah. And with, like, low-budget filmmaking, that kind of makes sense. Like, at least, right. you know, the fight scenes and the martial arts is going to be authentic. So, right. at least in that regard, it, they yeah, it, just, I think that was the best idea.
1: Definitely, yeah, it works. It works. Mm-hmm. And right, and there's some really good fights. And one of the first ones we see is when we're introduced to Jeff, who could be the worst brother in the world, who sees his sister... <laughs> who is in the band, with her boyfriend, who is also in the band. And uh, just seeing them together is enough to get him to want to kick his ass. And that's where we truly see first that those friends stick together. How would you guys like that, that intro? <sighs> Can I ask a question? Is there anyone in on this
3: show right now that didn't want to kick Jeff's ass just looking at his face? <laughs> <laughs> he is a pickable face <laughs> he, he is and you know what i'm sure he's the nicest guy in the world but man he just seems like he's just kind of mm. i'm not a violent guy i, I don't like fighting but i i feel like if i were to run into him i would just be like mm, i don't like you already <laughs> my favorite thing about jeff is he wears the same thing throughout the entire movie And he can't deliver a like it's almost like out of a mystery science theater gag. the first line that he speaks is when they're in the club and the one guy, I can't remember his name, I don't even know if they said his name, but he's the older gentleman. He looks like he's like seventy and he says to Jeff, (laughs) Jeff, this is not your sister and then Jeff is like, I I don't know I don't know what she's doing here. She shouldn't be here, and it's like they and it sounds like they actually went back and looped it (laughs) because it's like they probably did, yeah. They spent money on this, but again, there's no budget going on. I think Jeff is, (sighs) I feel like if someone had to have gone back, and I feel like there's got to be a fan edit out there where someone just took out all his dialogue to make him a little bit more menacing, and that probably would have been better. He's, he, out of all the actors in the, i'm sorry actors in this movie <laughs> he is he he is the
1: worst and i i stand by that <laughs> that's saying a lot oh this is an open debate throughout
0: is, <laughs> yes yes i well, just always cute. weirded out by by villains that have weird stuff with their sisters like yeah it's always skeeves me out. So yes. yeah, he, he's he's a creeper. And like you said, it, it's upgrade from punchable face to kickable face.
2: Yes, it's the yes. next level. Question: Did this movie come out before or after Scarface? Without after
0: after Scarface yeah, was like yeah.
2: so perhaps because you know Scarface has a weird relationship with his sister. Oh yes. Oh yeah. In that sure. movie, and he literally kills his best friend mm-hmm. because he's having a thing with his sister. Mm. So well, I, I wonder, I wonder, was that like a ref, because this movie is derivative to the
0: nines. Yeah, 100%. So mm-hmm.
2: I'm wondering if they saw Scarface and they're like, okay, bad people, bad men are possessive of their
0: sisters. Yeah. So I, I guarantee maybe that, just yeah, injected in be. there. Yeah. Could and then could definitely the, be. Yeah, in the commentary, they, they're like, you know, the, Zach Carlson was like, well, what movies you know, referencing? And, and I guess what's even more fascinating about this is why kick him wasn't like a movie person he like would see he said maybe like a movie a month like he wasn't a movie nut which is odd mm-hmm. for someone that's obsessed with making his own movie um but there's tons of like they eventually say hey karate kid was a big deal which is almost is like in theory they were trying to make like a recruiting film for the for their dojo like hey mm. karate kid was huge at the time and they're like this was right after karate kid came out I'm like oh well, this would be a good recruiting film for our for our thing. But I mean, like you said, just um, uh, Scarface. But then also Streets of Fire, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, again, the music angle with an action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then Mike pointed this out to me yesterday. It's so Miami Vice, like literally mm-hmm. in the title. But it's it's just the most again in Orlando. But it, it it's just <laughs> pulling so many different cinematic things. Like it's just like a. A crock pot of everything 80 cinema at the time. So it's shocking that they're like, oh, I guess Karate Kid was a thing. Like, no, like everything that was popular at the time is what you're pulling from. It's 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 nuts. Jason, you hit the nail on the head because I was
3: watching it last night, just to you know, refresh and take notes. There's one scene I don't think that we've touched on it yet. There's one fight scene that uh-huh. when I, I I went back and watched it, I was like, That's streets of fire right there. Oh yes. Yeah. And I think I, I think everyone knows what scene I'm talking about. I guess we'll get to it later. But I, I saw it and I was like, that that is completely Streets of Fire. Like, ooh, ooh, like yeah. right down to a T. So yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. Because there's no way in my head that, like you said, the elements of that movie and so many others weren't, yes. you know, inspiring this movie. It had to be, definitely. Yeah. Well, 100%. we were
1: talking about it last night. And I'm like, I so want... Michael Mann to do a remake of this <laughs> and just that. And then I was like furiously like googling through episodes of Miami Vice to see did Crockett and Tubbs ever take on ninjas? And I, I couldn't find there is an episode called Bushido, but it really has to do with like the KGB. So uh, no ninjas in that that
3: it's I a tell, big but,
0: opportunity.
3: Yeah. Now um, di- in my did you ever find an episode of Miami Vice where someone's fighting and they chop an arm off and you can see the duct tape on the arm?
1: because that would really be telling. (laughs) All right, we'll we'll get there. Let's get even further into this movie. So from this point, uh, you know, the friends come together and rescue, uh, who is it, John that has the the romance there from Evil Jeff. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, YK Kim tells them, you don't scare me at all. Goodbye. And... Then we get into one of the (laughs) things I just want to touch in through this. We've got like four different groups of bad guys. And Mm -hmm. I honestly have a hard time keeping track of who's, who's connected to what. So we go from Jeff to now back to the club. And we find out, this is where we find out that apparently Dragon Sound is so good, no one else can play at this club. And there's this other band that is just pissed off that they lost their job at this club and uh, tries to muscle in on the, the club owner and they find out that they have picked the club owner who is not to be trifled with.
3: Can I just put this out there? Yes. I get where the other band is coming from. Cause imagine being, imagine being told you're not as good as dragon sound. <laughs> I would, I would, I would be like, Oh, Oh, it's on dragon sound. Really? The guys that just wrote some kindergarten song about friends—you're going to tell us we're not good as that? Okay. Oh, it's on now. I would be violent too. I think. Oh, it would be berserker rage. <laughs> so,
2: it so would... this is interesting. This is—I think there are three major bad guys here. There's the band mm-hmm. that was slighted, which it clearly is justified. There's Jeff's gang of hooligans. Wait, hold,
1: on, hold on. Pause. Pause. Because you say clearly it's justified. Did we ever even hear this other band play? No, they might actually be be good. Well, that's good. compared, that they're compared to Dragon sound. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, I'm <laughs> saying,
2: I'm saying that they're pissed off. It's got to be justified, even oh, okay, if they okay, yeah. like, even if like they have a Casio keyboard at home and they're just like banging on it. It's probably better than Dragon sound. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, so there's them. There's Jeff's band of hooligans who ride around in a convertible and yada, yada, yada. And Jeff's band of hooligans has kind of a, um, like Dread a tangential honey. friendship with the motorcycle ninjas. Yes. Yeah. So those are the three major groups and they kind of collaborate throughout in like, you know, because like there's, there's, well i don't want to jump ahead but like there are when we go through the the different fight scenes we can Mm -hmm. talk about which ones are which because they all they all kind of work together like i honestly as far as organized as far as organized crime is concerned in central south florida they have a really good network going there's not a lot of Mm -hmm. wars everyone's friends you Mm -hmm. know that biker party was awesome oh, yeah. like so <laughs> nice. like i want to join i want to join i know martial arts can i join yeah. uh, miami organized crime this sounds yeah. awesome I, think you can. <laughs> I was gonna say it was like a parody
3: of all these just like raunchy you know like muscle 80s movies yeah. in that biker oh, scene yeah. but my favorite uh my favorite villain in this whole entire movie is like the guy that's like four foot and the uh, where they're beating up on John. And he's like, "What? Is, what is this kicking shit? What is this? And I'm just, <laughs> where did he come from? Like, that's the movie I want. I want to spit off of him.
1: <laughs> well, so this is interesting. And I'm glad you kind of lay out the three parties. So at this point in the movie now, we've seen all of them. The movie starts with this intro where we see the ninjas raiding, busting the coke deal or getting in on the coke deal and then Jeff and his gang come in and then all right so we're so we see the ninjas mm-hmm. we see busting this coke deal we see Jeff and his gang and we see the band and the next thing we see is another fantastic performance by a Dragon Sound singing the song against the ninja but guys to this point as far as the movie goes we don't know that they're actually aware of the Miami ninjas. So where did this song come from?
2: It's theoretical. They're like, "Hey, um, you know, if you ever encounter a ninja, you might want to learn taekwondo." It's more okay, okay. This this is where I realize that this is a blatant recruiting tool for taekwondo. I mean, because we we talked about it a little bit, but I'm just gonna come out and say it. He wow. made the YK Kim made this movie to show people how quote awesome end quote. Taekwondo is. That's mm-hmm. why this movie exists. I mean, I, I'm I'm I realized it halfway through. I'm like, this is a failed venture into a commercial for Taekwondo. That's what this movie is. I mean, something awesomely bad came out of it, but I mean, that's what it is, and it makes sense based on the time because this is when Taekwondo was starting to like get big, and it's still pretty huge.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, why don't you? That's a great. <laughs> That's a great segue. Why don't you give it's us a little background segue. on Taekwondo? I like it. Because I'll admit, like, I've heard in Rochester, we have our own Master Kim, who has this huge franchise of uh, Taekwondo schools. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I know it's a very big martial art. Uh, so I'm really interested if you can give us, and I'm so glad you're here, to give us this introduction a little bit into, as martial art, what Taekwondo is.
2: All right. So I've never done Taekwondo, um, but, like, You know, I'm in the martial arts community. I actually don't know many people who are taekwondo martial artists. I know a fair amount of former ones. And uh, we'll talk about, you know, that in context. But so first things first, taekwondo is not an ancient martial art by any stretch. Um, It's the Korean martial art of actually the literal translation is like kicking and punching. Um, and it's post-World War II. So what happened was, is post-World War II basically put there were martial arts in Korea because of the Japanese occupation of Korea. Before that, there a, was a lot of Japanese martial arts. So karate and judo and kendo were big there. Also, because of its proximity to China, there's lots of kung fu. And also they have their own traditional martial arts such as subak and Taekyon. And taekwondo is kind of a mishmash of all those uh, also with a lot of it stripped away and you can see the references like to people who don't know taekwondo like mm. it looks like it's a japanese martial art they wear what's called a dobek but it looks exactly like a gi like from from a distance and it has a lot of similarities to japanese martial arts so what happened was is post-world war ii they were in seoul Nine schools, which are called Kwans, not dojos, Kwans opened up in Seoul that were all doing like this mishmash of this martial art. And what happened is several people who were who either worked at those schools or owned those schools were in the military and they did a demonstration of it in front of the president of Korea at the time. And he's like, I love it. Can we make a unified Korean martial arts to teach our military? which is which is a very reasonable thing. And what happens is those quans got together and they synthesized Taekwondo, right? Um, and then soon after, of course, they got into fights and then they separated. And then you have the different schools of Taekwondo because, you know, that's how this kind of thing tends to work. And the success of Taekwondo is pretty impressive because it's in the Olympics now. So something right, that right. didn't exist in 1940 is now an Olympic sport. So... Like, to the, I give it a lot of credit in that. And, and if you want to talk about what it is, so it has a lot of similarities to karate and judo. They have what they call patterns, which is katas, you know. They have meditation. They have self-defense stuff. Um, they have, you know... The self-defense involves weapons and yada yada yada. So if you went to a uh, taekwondo school, you'd learn all that. Probably the thing that taekwondo made the most famous was board breaking. Mm-hmm. Board breaking—that's that's a like. Don't get me wrong; they've been breaking bricks and boards and all kinds of stuff like that for forever in martial arts. But traditional ones are like, eh, it's fluff, and it is fluff. But taekwondo really was like jump, spin, kick, break the board. There's a lot of theatrics in that, so I feel like taekwondo really elevated that um, for the purposes of display. So like you're gonna you're gonna get board breaking at most martial at most martial arts that are catering to kids and have striking. But taekwondo was really like you get to break boards and then you get to keep a piece of broken wood. Like <laughs> and kids are like that's freaking awesome. Hell yeah. Right? <laughs> Now what really what really makes taekwondo kind of sp- special in a way is the sparring aspect of it because the sparring aspect is very controlled and the fact that it's very controlled and kind of narrow and point based is how it actually was able to be a really good sport fighting thing. Mm-hmm. So like there are two major types of taekwondo sparring. There's worlds there's world taekwondo which is also what they do in the Olympics. And then there's ITF, which is International Taekwondo. It's just two different schools of thought. They all have, so the World Olympic one, you wear headgear, you wear what's called a hogu, which is chess gear. Uh, you have forearm and, and, and shin guards and gloves, right? So you're pretty heavily covered and it's entirely a scoring based martial art. And now they're at a point with technology where they actually have electrodes in the, in your socks and in your gloves wow. and in the hogu, So they can tell when you make contact. Oof. So like, it doesn't even like umpires are a good thing of the past. Now <laughs> let's yeah. just, let's just acknowledge that. So if you contact the hogu, so like, and it's all kicking and punching. So like, if you contact the hogu or the head, you get a point. Uh, you can do three kinds of kicks I mean, am sorry, you can do three kinds of hits. Punches, regular kicks, and turning kicks, which are fancy kicks. And that's mm-hmm. essentially it. Um, and you're not allowed to punch them in the head. So this is a very, very specific and controlled style of fighting. The ITF, you don't have a hogu and you get extra points for jumping kicks. But um, it's, it's kind of, like, very similar. Also, like, there's another thing about... Um, about um, Taekwondo is the Olympic one is full contact, but ITF, you actually get penalized for hurting your opponent. So this is a martial art that's all about precision and finesse to the point where you actually can't hurt someone. So this gives Taekwondo an interesting reputation in the martial arts community because people are like, how effective is it on the street? I always find that to be a, a weird question because on the street, I mean, I know martial arts, but guess what? If someone attacks me on the streets, I'm going to stick my keys in their eyeball. Like that's <laughs> not jujitsu. <laughs> like like I, I find that to be kind of a, not a good standard for the quality of a martial art, but sometimes Taekwondo gets a reputation of being kind of like not effective because it is so much about form and precision that, you can't you know can you use it in an ugly circumstance so i don't know it's got kind of a mixed reputation in the martial arts community don't get me wrong i'm sure yk kim could mop the floor with me like mop even now (laughs) at 77 he would he would mop the floor with me but because it's so controlled and it's so based on kicks and punches it's like but it's great for kids that's the thing it's great for kids it's great recruitment for kids you get all that meditation stuff and all that stuff going on you teach them punches and kicks and and forms and stuff like that and that's why it's it's very good for marketing and it's very good for recruitment so like that's why they're everywhere taekwondo is everywhere because it's good for kids it's good for people who want to exercise it's very precise and it's not the ugliest dirtiest martial art it's very controlled
1: so And this is really that point in the movie where we get to see that displayed and a big scale the first time when we get that road fight who are trying to keep track of the villains. I believe at this point, right, that road fight is the the disgruntled band and Mm -hmm. their friends are attacking them. And we get to see, again, a big thing that's really popular. Well, we get to see like, was it 40 or feels like 40 or 50 of what we know are yk kim students mm-hmm. all battling it in the middle of the street which apparently was just like they just found a street in the middle of the night and fought yeah. and filmed without permit yeah but uh yeah so i think this is a good point for us to take a break and we'll come back and dig into the family side i'm matt knots and i'm chris lindstrom and we are the co-founders of the lunch podcast network your home for amazing and wide-ranging podcasts in rochester With shows like Anomaly Presents, Behind the Glass, the Level Up Coffee podcast, Punches and Popcorn, Just Can't Not,
2: and of course, Food About Town, we celebrate the people, places, and things that make Rochester a fantastic place to live.
1: We have more shows joining the network soon, and offer remote and in-person recordings and video too. We're excited to bring distinct and diverse voices together on one network. Follow Lunchador on social media to catch new episodes as
2: soon as they release and stay tuned for exciting news about new shows and how to support them.
1: Lunchador, celebrating Rochester's creativity through the magic of podcasting. And welcome back to Punches and Popcorn and our special preview of our upcoming season. Once upon a time in the 80s as part of the exciting Lunchador Podcast Network relaunch. And we are celebrating this by having fun with the 1987 classic Miami Connection. And with us, as uh, mentioned before, tonight with my fellow Couch Potato Ninjas, uh, Dom, excuse me, Taekwon Dom, and Jason, the genius, YK, Bills. Uh, we also have our friend and <laughs> 80s aficionado extraordinaire, Chad Young. All right, so guys, let's, let's dive into kind of the back half of this movie, is really where we get into the heart of the movie, and we start off with uh, just an Oscar-worthy scene, right? Where we discover that Jim has a secret.
3: This this scene that we're talking about are we talking about the first letter?
1: Yes, we are. Okay, it's not V letter. Not the letter. Yeah, that'll come. Okay,
3: the first. So letter. this is the scene where John is like messing. We we go into the the house. I think mm-hmm. is where they live. They all all the Miami, the dragon sound guys all live in one house. It's an orphanage. You know? yeah. Orphanage. I, okay. But <laughs> up door, for adults, they Technically, they're all in there. Like they have to be in their fifties or forties. They, they, this is not an
0: orphanage.
3: <laughs> orphanage. Um, but John is like messing around with his uh, roommate, Maurice. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he's like teasing him. He's like, Showing off this letter, and Maurice in his very, very high pitched voice is like, "My letter, my letter," so and good. it's revealed that oh, that's Jim, right? Maurice is the actor. Yeah. Oh, is that is that okay? Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Sorry, that is his. That's not actor. his character's name. Oh, By the way, yeah. Jim's his name.
3: <laughs> so, so Jim. Uh, it's discovered that Jim is an orphan and because he doesn't like his dad or something like that, it kind of gets a little weird because even I started having a problem following it. I was like, huh, wait, what? <laughs> so you, you chose to be an orphan. Uh, it, okay. Um, and then it kind of starts, we start hearing everyone else talk about YK Kim cam is like, uh, I thought we were all orphans and then they don't really <laughs> let you forget that they're orphans. No, they do not. <laughs> No, it, it's like in No Holds Barred where Hulk Hogan just keeps asking people to ask him about his charity work. And it's like, oh my <laughs> fucking gosh, we did it. Yes, you're <laughs> orphans. And it, it just kind of gets it, it. So Jim, his name is Jim, right? Yes. He, yes. he starts crying and he's talking about his family and he shows a picture of his dad. And I want people to kind of remember that picture. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and
3: yeah. I think you'll know why. um yeah, We'll get to that. We will Bookmark
1: get to that, that in your yeah, memory,
3: friends. It, you know, this is like the 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 sappy, you know, '80s kind of, you know, like you said, Oscar nominee <laughs> moment. I'm sure that I'm sure you know YK Kim was like, "All right, this is this is gonna pull at the heartstrings. This is this is gonna mean something," and it just. Mm-hmm. Didn't really work out that way. No, but then he says he doesn't like his dad, right? But so he, it's like, wait, what is it? Like, I have a question. It's complicated.
2: It's a, complicated, a complicated
0: relationship. Okay,
3: fair right. enough. I accept that.
0: Dom, Dom the scientist. Uh, so, at, you know, YK Kim's character. I think it's Mark. Uh, he's like, yeah, I yes. thought we were all orphans. Like, but don't. Doesn't everyone have biological parents? Like. Whether you're orphaned or not, like mm-hmm. right, really you nice need company. you
2: need a scientist to tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> Human beings do not undergo asexual reproduction. We don't Thank bud you. off of our toes. No, this is
0: what I was looking for. Okay, <laughs> I feel better. Yeah, I I yes,
2: yes, typically you need you need a, a male and a female, and male and female gametes, and boop, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, this movie, I had an
0: existential crisis halfway through. Life.
2: <laughs> this movie is an entire existential
1: crisis. Well, the good—clearly,
2: is- Jim's Jim got Jim was a result of binary fission, like some sort of paramecium. <laughs> well, the
1: best thing is what I love is we have just this extremely traumatic moment. Which I—I I don't know about you, but I was a little confused by the end of that scene. Of well, what the hell did the letter say? Well, mm-hmm. we don't really need to like marinate on that because we yeah. then get to one of our first super fun scenes where the guys have a great day at the beach.
2: Oh Lord. <laughs> and they I play know. friends again.
1: Yep. Oh yes. <laughs> We're showing them as friends. They're flexing. They're scrutting. We get a lot of different butt shots. And yep. I like that. They're Please. like, they're, they're very magnanimous. Maybe in the butt shots, they show, we get, uh, you know, many different types of women. We get men's okay. butts a couple times they flash on children that felt kind of creepy to me.
2: Old dudes on quads. Right. (laughs) Or four wheelers, yeah.
1: They're like, look, we aren't just this isn't Baywatch, right? We aren't just showing you the Pamela Andersons of the eighties. This is this is everybody on the beach, right? Just in case you forgot that you were in Florida, here we go. (laughs) Beach beach. By the way,
3: are you normally allowed to just drive a car through an entire (laughs) beach?
0: that is a good question like that
1: well if you're if you're dragon sound you are okay fair enough <laughs> so okay. that's the, another thing i want to bring up so we've talked about in a lot of the movies we've covered in the past especially the hong kong ones this whole thing well and even movies in the 80s like karate kid this thing where like these dojos or martial arts schools somehow they are like the most important thing in whatever community the they run this town right but apparently in this world it is the club band that rules the city kind of like which I think is funny because it according to YK Kim he made it sound like his Quans ran Orlando but he here it's I guess it's the it's the band that runs it which feels so 80s to me that I mm-hmm. love it so much. And then we get to see him just again have this great day on the beach, you know, some maybe borderline sexual assault with mm-hmm. the, like on women.
2: He paid for it though. He fell on them and they beat the snot out of him. It's not a <laughs> sparkling endorsement for taekwondo when four women in bikinis <laughs> smacked the crap out of you.
1: <laughs> Who are all like maybe you know two thirds the size that he is, right? So I like we get this this beach scene and then we really get the. We got oh. the most formal, the most formal display of Taekwondo with this. Just we're back on UCF campus, right? And we get this super, super long scene of them in there. Well, they're not geese. What are
2: they called, Dom? Dobeks.
1: Dobeks.
2: Dobeks. Yeah.
1: So right, they're they're wearing these. They are outside on the lawn at UCF, uh, practicing their. Routines? What did you call them? Again?
2: Patterns. I've heard the word form or patterns. Yeah, this was this is where like I su- I told you before, I suspected this was a Taekwondo commercial, and then I saw this, and I'm like, why? Like, I mean, they're just showing off like mm-hmm. technique here, you know, which is not not inherently a bad thing. What is bad is the fact that even though clearly they know Taekwondo, they do not know cinematography, and fight choreography. <laughs> no. oh, because no. I watch this as someone who knows something about martial arts and I'm like, okay, I can tell that they know what they're doing, but it looks terrible to the untrained <laughs> eye, simply because the choreography and the, and, the, and the cinematography and the angles and it's just terrible. It's just terrible. Like, oh, ugh, great. wow. And then also they yeah. try to be gimmicky. Like mm-hmm. at one point, like, YK Kim has his fist in his student's mouth. Oh, that is and weird. I'm just like, you guys are close, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> we do fisting in Taekwondo. What? Oh. <laughs> My word.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, there's some very interesting fight moments. And uh, apparently on the commentary, they said if you watch the last practice pattern that happens between YK and his student They are mm-hmm. at Mimics at the end, the spoiler alert battle with the white ninja who we're going to be reminded that he exists later. Um, and apparently it's the exact same thing. So they preview for you what's going to happen, but...
2: That is a staple in martial arts movies where sure. like they show you practicing the key move and then they're like, this, this is the secret move. The <laughs> and then at the end, that's the move that the hero does to vanquish the villain. So, the crane kick. Yeah, the <laughs> crane <laughs> kick. This is the crane kick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Genius, you earned your namesake. This is the crane kick of the movie.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> Honestly, I'll give him credit for, again, being just a guy that you know, a martial arts professional who owns studios picked up on like this tech, whether it's him or it, it, he was co this was co directed with Richard Park, who plays the old guy that owns the pizza hut that we see you know, come oh in God. and out a few times. We haven't even talked about that, really. It, he seems um, to be a little bit director.
0: more like professional in terms of film production. He has mm-hmm. like an IMDb page for instance. I mean, the other mm-hmm. guys do but they don't even have a photo. Like he has at least some street cred in terms of film production.
1: Right, right. So he he might have made like uh maybe he made helped make I don't know. It'd be interesting if anyone could find the history. Maybe he made
0: some of YK Kim's commercials for his studio. Oh. Well, he was he was watching uh he said he was watching TV late night and one of YK's uh, you know, infomercials came on and he's like this guy's got something. So that's sort of the the genesis of okay. this, and he reached out to him to make a movie. It oh, okay. was just literally like, uh, there's this charismatic man on this infomercial in in Orlando, and I, I'm gonna reach out to him. That's literally how this all started. See, and that's and that's
1: how the magic happened. Yeah, and I like so. Here we get the the taekwondo on the campus, and then we right away go to another performance, and this time we get taekwondo on the stage. Mm-hmm. Now they aren't just mm-hmm. playing; they're doing it. By the way,
2: you know what is also charming? Watching YK Kim attempt to imitate playing the guitar. Yes. Oh, he like, does
0: hands. He, he just holds it and dances. He yeah. holds it like a gun at one point. Yes. It's just so bad. I also, I feel like
1: at one point when they're, I can't remember if it's when they're playing or when they're like, like off stage. At one point, one of them grabs a guitar, but mm-hmm. I don't think we ever see that on stage. And that's like the only thing oh, that really? I think this is missing to be the 80s thing is we needed like YK with a tar. That would have been amazing. Yeah, and then we get uh, kind of the family string is pulled, so we get some of our bad guys coming together where this this slighted band that has gotten now beat up by the band over, beat up by the band realizes they can't do this on their own so they go to the most 80s gym ever where Guys are fighting bare chested in jeans while weight machine clanking is going on now stop oh. and this is the lair home base of the worst brother in the world Jeff and recruit Jeff and his gang of thugs to take on Dragon sound which will happen in a train depot. So I don't know where you guys are were' more shocked by here the just the gym or the ensuing fight that we're gonna get into.
2: I, I'm thinking about litigation here. That train depot fight, there was no oversight. I feel like it could have been a lot. Of, I, I feel like in Florida, they were just like, yeah, um, sure. Go nuts, guys. Just try not to fall.
1: <laughs> yeah. On the commentary, YK Kim claimed that nobody got hurt on the set of this. And that's unbelievable. I, that's between this and the next fight that we'll talk about, I have a hard time believing no one got hurt in that. There's no way. But what about it so if you this gym I just want to talk about that gym for a second.
0: Jeff. Oh
1: lord. <laughs> I mean if if you walked into this gym uh, like you're signing up immediately for uh for like a one year membership, right? Oh
2: sure.
3: Listen <laughs> <laughs> well, this year. in this and I, would, I would be signing up for immediately. <laughs>
2: You know how gyms have like rules on them, know this, know that, no yeah. language, wear appropriate clothes, etc. I think the number 1 is must wear stonewash denim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just lo- you could just just hear the ham slapping going out oh. the fighting. Oh, hmm. uh, it's it's special. And again, it's just so everything in there is such like 80s gym. It's it's oh. truly magical and, and again, we get our bad guys. Two of them come together here and lead us to this train depot fight. We get more of kind of the showing off of Taekwondo. And uh, hey, what do you guys think about that train depot fight? So we now had a couple fights.
2: Is, uh, that, like, do, is that because
1: they kidnapped Tom? Oh, that's not yet. Tom's. Okay. Tom's got Billy. it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I can't remember how the, it's like Jeff calls them out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was just like basically, that. he's like. Yeah, they get a, they get like, um, is it a letter or something or a phone call? I can't remember, but they contact them and yeah, it's a letter. And they're like, meet at such and such a place. <laughs> and, and like, I, 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 I don't know. Most, I think Taekwondo is a, has the philosophy of most martial arts to be like, you don't do that. Like <laughs> if someone's like, I'm calling you out for a fight, martial artists are supposed to be like, no. <laughs> and they're right. like. Sure, let's have a brawl. (laughs) Right,
1: and it kind of, uh, contrary to another movie that we're going to cover this season, and another one of our favorite 80s martial arts classics, No Retreat, No Surrender, where in that film, these bad guys are like literally... In the, in the dad who's running that dojo's face repeatedly, like, <laughs> literally kicking his ass, and yeah. he keeps saying, no, I won't fight, I won't fight. You're like, but these guys are, I got a letter, let's go do it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> let's go let's... risk our lives.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then we get what we previewed earlier, one of the uh, wildest party in scenes in this movie where we're taken back to the ninjas again, Mm-hmm. And we get what it looks like Bike Week. Oh boy,
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is like... Um, oh boy, this is like a parody. Like and for some reason, whenever I see this, even though it came a couple years after, my mind goes to Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, where they're oh, in the pool yes. hall. and it's just like, oh my gosh, it's like every like stereotypical like. Biker 80s, you know, beer boobs. It's just, <laughs> oh, like it's just, it looks like it smells like it you can smell. smell the cigarettes and beer in this. Yeah, oh,
0: yeah, they just got a bunch of bikers drunk, like they gave them free beer for a day and brought cameras. Like, that's literally oh, that's always a good idea, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: They were like, they're like, yeah, that isn't like apple juice. They're actually drinking real beer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how they got them to agree to be filmed. Is like, we we just gave them beer all day. Like they, yeah. that's, that's what was. Right. They're like whatever
1: movie. motorcycle club this was. Like, yeah, that's really in their clubhouse. That were. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the
0: first time. Not that I don't think a lot of people are trying to film in there, but they're like, what? It was a big honor to be <laughs> let in there to film. Like, it's just, well, just the FBI. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, right. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it, it's just a very uncomfortable. Like it just, like you said, it's you can smell this scene. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and- I, I thought it was awesome. Like I, I was like, honestly, Yoshida. That's that's the character's name. I don't know the actor's name. Oh, is, is my that, favorite that point, character. Yeah. Is my favorite character in this movie because he lives the most double life out of <laughs> any martial artist. <laughs> On one side, he has a traditional Japanese. By the way. That's all Japanese trappings in that place. I I don't know if that means anything. But he's Japanese. Mm -hmm. He looks very traditional. He meditates. He's surrounded by ninjas. He's very disciplined, yada, yada, yada. And then in his off time, he is a biker, beer-swilling, boob-grabbing, like, (laughs) party animal. Mm. This guy, this guy... Who are you, man? Like, have you ever met a person that is this way? Like, he seems like the coolest motherfucker in town. Like, he'll teach you how to be a ninja. He'll teach you discipline, and then he'll teach you how to partay. This <laughs> is the kind of villain that Marvel wishes
3: that they could make happen in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty
1: four. Right. We got biker by day, ninja by night. In- mm-hmm. in- incredible.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: he's the best Mm. I want to
2: see a movie just about him like seriously
1: (laughs) so I think before this scene right we've seen Jeff and the ninjas so we know that they have some sort of connection right Mm -hmm. and if I recall like this scene Jeff is back with them right so this is isn't he partying with them so I guess this scene serves to show like oh Jeff already got his ass beat with the band now Jeff's gonna go to the ninjas for help here right Mm-hmm. So, And they're going to cement their bond over boobs, beer, and bikes. Mm-hmm. Very 80s. I, I expected Bosworth to show up in here. So, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they have their fun there. And then uh, we get taken back to the pizza scene. And this is really where the, uh, the avalanche of action starts happening. We get their friend Tom, who was nice enough to drop them all off at the pizza place. Mm-hmm. and go park the car, he's stolen. And again, Tom is the one that has the uh, just magnificent mullet and mustache. And he is kidnapped. And oh, and I like, so before this, I just wanted to point out briefly, I like that they juxtapose the the ninjas and Jeff are having this wild bike time. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Dragon Sound is all just quiet in their house, all of them in different <laughs> rooms, meeting, Waiting writing, for letters from their like, father. Right, it's so like look at those guys are like this, but true friends and disciplined martial artists are just having relaxing lives. That's uh, right. So we we get that little picture. Then Tom is kidnapped, and that leads us to the big confrontation at the construction site where Dragon Sound goes to rescue their buddy. And again, I cannot believe that nobody got hurt at this thing. This is uh, almost assuredly a live, active construction site. <laughs> At night, yeah. and at night, they right. stage this fight scene that happens all over this thing. And did you guys like the this dramatic moment?
2: Well, it's the same thing I said before. It's like you know these people know martial arts, but you also know they don't know fight cinematography mm-hmm. at all. Right. <laughs> it's the same. Like I'm just like, oh, there's something in there. I can't really see it though. You know? it's like, Urgh. yeah, you know. Out of all the fight
3: scenes, I think this one might be my favorite, <laughs> just
2: because yeah. it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean they're
1: all ridiculous.
2: I like this one the best too. I think.
1: Yeah, this one was really cool. And apparently, one of the like lead bad guys in the scene they were saying in the commentary it was like at the time an active federal prosecutor. Oh lord! Yes.
3: Like, oh my yeah. just, goodness!
1: What, I think it was the guy that had like the kill them all T-shirt on or something. Yes. Yeah. And they just. Uh, I think it's Zach from Alamo draft house Who's like, wait, this guy, this is a, he's doing this, but like at the time he's a federal prosecutor. Yeah. Not
0: retired. Like he was an active federal prosecutor being (laughs)
1: what he did. So great scene. And unfortunately this brings an end to Jeff as he takes a, a header. No more Jeff.
3: Nope. No more.
1: And I really kind of want to like check on this guy. Uh, William Urgel, is the actor. Like, are we sure he didn't actually die? Like,
0: <laughs> I haven't seen him since. So. Me neither. Right. One,
1: yeah.
0: one IMDb cred. He's gone.
1: <laughs> so, I don't, but nobody got hurt apparently. And then after that, they get their friend back, and we get the second
0: letter. Did you guys think that was the end of the movie? I, I was kind of like, yes. uh, I thought it yeah. was we were done. Like I was okay. I've got closure. No, there's more. Okay. Miami has there's not been more. connected yet.
1: Yeah, we get that second letter and another great letter scene, which I love. Tom comes out of the house for that, <laughs> wearing only a towel. Oh. Uh,
0: yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, It kind of it kind of has a little bit of a homoerotic vibe. They're all shirtless. Very. Yes. <laughs> Except for Y.K. Kim. like yeah. He's like a legit martial artist. I want to see how ripped that guy is. He's the only one that was like, I'm modest. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Everyone he else. Also,
0: <laughs> he also feeds them all individual grapes, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that's movie, right. Which is just like, what is going on? <laughs> oh, he okay. sh- hand feeds them each a grape. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's great. Okay. You know, they I used to hand
2: feed forever. Mike grapes in college, remember? Well, nah. There you go.
1: That's friendship. <laughs> that's what this movie is yeah. about. Wait, grapes? Oh yeah, grapes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> mm, oh goodness. And the and the girl <laughs> and the girlfriend comes back. I like it's like five minutes movie time, and she's like, I'm over you killing my brother. Yeah, she heals from that very quickly. <laughs> very, very, yeah, right? And we find out Jim's dad has been found. They help him go suit up, right? And they're off to take Jim to meet his friend. And that's where we have one final ambush. And this the ninjas come in and the ninjas come back in a big way. God, this is my favorite scene in the movie, and I, I can't even remember how did they get out of the car originally. So they're supposed to be driving to see Jim, and then they end up basically in the jungle fighting ninjas. <laughs> no, no, aren't they
2: driving Jim to the airport to meet his dad? Yup. Yes. Yeah. So the, so they're driving to the. By the way, they never use the doors in that car. They always hop nope. the doors. Anyone else? It's out like well, Duke's no? kind of of support. Yeah. Right. So I remember Jim got all like gussied up to go meet his dad and they were yeah, driving dad. to the yeah. airport to meet mm-hmm. his dad and they get ambushed by
1: the ninja. Ah, uh, Is the, right. the ninja right up, right up on motorcycles on them? Maybe sure, we should have yeah. watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it. I watched it. Over the past twenty four hours, twice.
0: Yeah, it's hard <laughs> hard I just hard. remember I that the at some point they're, they're fighting
1: in the swamp.
2: Well, I mean, into... if you've been if you've been to Florida, you realize like the only thing between suburbia and like a tropical jungle is essentially a curb <laughs>
3: and ninjas, <laughs> exactly.
1: Right, and it, which I like. They were saying in the commentary that like like yeah, this is just like dirty swamp water that they're all fighting yeah. in.
0: I believe you had to get everyone drunk in order to get into the water. That was the key. I believe to that too. <laughs> yeah, Hand I out some believe, Jack Daniels like, and let's film.
1: I can't believe someone didn't get killed by an alligator. The only thing I could figure is they were making so much noise that any alligators there ran away. But so we get this this spectacular ninja scene. Now we finally see Dragon Sound versus the Ninja. They are finally against the Ninja, mm-hmm. and. Our hero one. I just, honestly, at the beginning, I was like, Jim's got this really nice suit. He looks good. Like, dude, just stay clean. Mm-hmm. And he gets dirty. And then, boom, Jim gets chopped. And we get a lot of dramatic screaming, Jim. And it leads to John just undergoing one of the most magnificent transformations that I have to imagine, in my opinion... I think when Hugh Jackman was getting ready to do Logan, he watched this movie and was like, that is the berserker rage that I am going to copy. Because that like not only do we get like blood spattered on his face, but he like rips his shirt off and he's just running around screaming, covered in blood, chopping ninjas left and right. It is spectacular. I
2: loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mm-hmm. I was like this guy just snapped. Clearly he's got issues cuz this is great. Also yeah. like like okay, keep in mind like let's they're taekwondo <laughs> martial artists. Yeah. Taekwondo as I discussed is probably not the most lethal martial art in the world. right But this motherfucker goes Ape and and like no remorse, no hesitation. Stabs a ninja with a katana, turns it, screams, pulls it out, and moves on to the next one. I'm like, <laughs> you got a past, man. I don't gotcha. know what it is, but dang. <laughs> I want you on my side.
3: If yeah.
1: Goes wrong. <laughs> Dom, do they use swords in Taekwondo at all?
2: Uh, there is there is self defense which involves weaponry. Um, I don't believe they use swords, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's possible. It, it, it doesn't strike me as typical, though.
0: Well, you know? cause the the thing is, like, we're supposed to only fight when necessary. Like, this yeah. is a bloodlust. Like, I think this is the 180s film where I feel bad for the evil ninja villains. Like, th- they go nuts. Yeah, they, like, they get from- messed up. Bad. master they're
2: all dead master they're all dead <laughs> head gets chopped yeah, so off
1: what brings us to the first time we really see the white ninja in action other than the cocaine raid yeah. is yeah, one all of his, his students or fellow ninjas are all getting just massacred massacred yeah. in their sadness over Jim uh, Mark and John are slaughtering people left and right with these katanas the like one surviving ninja comes to tell his master he's just off to the side meditating right he isn't doing shit yeah.
0: and
1: his ninja comes to him as dom said and how does he get rewarded
2: decapitation <laughs> i loved it oh uh, but you know what i saw that coming a mile away like he's meditating his he master they're all dead he killed them all or something like that and i'm like this guy's gonna die he's gonna kill him <laughs> He's gonna kill him, and he lops his head off. And I'm like, "Hooray!" Yeah, I was so, so happy good. with that scene. <laughs> it's, it's really Chad, I want your day. face right now. Like, I, your face is great. You're just like, "Wow!" <laughs> because sometimes you don't need
3: to really react with a word. Sometimes you just like let your face be <laughs> reacting. And th- that this is one of those movies where yeah. it's great to react and have friends. But like, you just watch it. You're just like. <sighs> All right, yeah.
0: It's an incredible <laughs> special on? effects work on that, right? Yeah, the special effects guy, he said he had a severed head from... He did this effects from Surf Nazis Must Die, and so they just used the the severed head from that. Like, he just oh had stuff gosh. in his trunk brought to the table. <laughs> really? So then that kind of makes a that. lot of sense, because a
3: lot of this, you know, the special effects we do see is very, very trauma-ish. Yes. Like I said earlier... In the beginning, you know, when we had the, the arm with the duct tape and, and now the head. Gosh, I didn't even really know that. Yeah. Uh,
0: John McCallum, he he was uh, interviewed for this, too. He actually scored a lot of the movie, um, the, mm. the non-Dragon sound stuff. So he, he not only scored things, but he also did special effects. Um, and, and again, it is a weird juxtaposition between, you know, trying to do, you know, sh- showcase Taekwondo, but also have trauma effects. Like, it, it's, yeah. really, it's really something, this movie.
3: You know, I wonder. Like, and and this is not the first time I brought this that I've thought this to myself. But I was I've watched this a few times, Uh where I have actually said, "I wonder what like Lloyd Kaufman would think of this movie. I wonder what like other like low budget filmmakers would think of this movie and the impact that it's had because this has an impact that like a lot of you know, like movies that we love, like a lot of those popular trauma movies, wouldn't even come close to having. Right. So right. You know, right. And there is such a charm to this movie, and there yeah. is such a heart to this, because you could tell they wanted to do something. I don't think mm-hmm. they knew what they wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> but you could tell, like, they wanted to do something. So there is a... I think that's the big charm, and and the yeah. heart of this movie is wanting to do that. But yeah, I've always been kind of, I've always thought to myself, well, I wonder if Charles Band has ever watched this and sat there and like took notes. like, got to do yeah, that right, next right. one with like Puppet yeah. Master. Right, right. Puppet Master <laughs> 8. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Puppet Master 8 versus the Miami Connection. Now we're talking.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. that can Make it happen.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, we get that. Uh, we get this—the final battle between Mark and the White Ninja, who, as we mentioned, is uh, move-wise kind of mirrors the the pattern, the practice we saw earlier. I, guys, to me, the white this battle versus the White Ninja, like he he seemed alarmingly easy to kill.
2: Mm-hmm. But I, yeah. it
1: didn't seem like Mark really had a hard time with this guy
2: because he does Taekwondo. Taekwondo mm-hmm. is the superior martial art, which. Yeah, pretty transparent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so he makes uh, quick work of him. We go back to Jim, who we fear died. And I guess apparently in the original, uh, when they originally made this, he did die. Yes. And whoever, I don't even want to say audiences, because I think it was like him showing it to some people. And they were like, oh, we can't can't end like that. So they ended Mm. up refilming. And we get this last scene in the, in the hospital wait, where wait, we wait. find out. Go ahead. Can, yeah.
3: can I point out something? You left something out of the original oh. scene.
1: Oh, please. Yeah.
3: It's, it, and it's where uh, they're sitting around. Uh, Jim just dies. A plane flies over and Jeff says, oh, no, that's his dad's plane. <laughs> no way i didn't know <laughs> like they show they, they 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 zoom up they do a zoom shot to the sky where a plane goes over them and you just hear jeff said his dad is on that plane right now and you're like what <laughs> <laughs> and it's oh, like man. that's so much worse that's, that's, Like, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if that's one of those scenes where I'm supposed to like laugh because it's so bad. Or you're like, oh, right. That sucks.
1: Yeah. But luckily, in the revised version, Jim does not die. And we get to meet meet his dad, who is definitely 100% an old man.
3: Not the same actor in the picture, by the way. And no. whoever they got to play th- his dad is just, like, some, like, 20-year-old with, like, a powdered wig and a white, yes. like, a cotton mustache.
0: Correct. <laughs> what? <Amazing. laughs>
1: this is the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, I think, right, Jason commentary. YK Kim said that he's like, oh, yeah, it's just a guy that we put, like, baby powder in his hair.
0: Yeah, no, he's absolutely younger than the actor. Uh, yes. There, playing. His <laughs> he's, son. like, in high school. Yeah, it's like a high school well, I, It had to be another one
1: of his students. I, like. Could you not just find an old, an old not? man? Yet it still is is less like bald, <clears throat> beyond the point of bald the aging than like what's his face in Prometheus. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. like honestly, YK Kim did a better job aging this guy in 1987's Miami uh, Miami Connection than. Prometheus did uh what is it guy Pierce uh
0: yes yes they did again
1: just find it there are old people out there you can find them especially in a movie when he just has to deliver like three lines you're in Florida you're telling me there's no All old right. people in Florida Nope. come on YK but we're left with this happy ending and then we get we close with another song uh, and so I've talked about in the past one of my favorite things in 80s action movies is when we get a song that describes the plot of the movie. Like, it's this song uh, only exists for this movie. Yes. And what I love about this movie is there's, like, six of those. There's so many songs that just describe the action of the movie. And oh, uh, it's just, it's the cherry on top. It's a musical. This film. It's a kung fu music, or I'm sorry, a taekwondo musical. There you go. I, yeah, It is, it is, right? It's a musical, it's martial arts, it, it's everything. The family. I, I don't know what part of the so many pieces of this beautiful 80s cake <laughs> that you are going to cover in your science, but I am hoping that you can dish us up something special in your science segment.
0: Yes, please. With science.
1: Yes, science. Science. It's not rocket science. Just say yes and we'll move on. Science.
2: all right well if there is aside from taekwondo if there is one thread that holds this movie together it is friendship this movie is kind of adorable I mean, let's call it out. It's adorable. Like, the yeah. idea of how they're all friends and they're all lovey-dovey. I'm like, aw, I see what they're going for here. So let's talk about friendship. Because we already did, like, I wanted to do decapitation. We already did that, seriously. Um, I'm a master of Flying Guillotine. Uh, cocaine, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. But friendship really <laughs> is the big thing here. Um, so I wanted to talk about what the physiological and psychological effects of friendship are. And it's actually fascinating because, like, it's pretty obvious why we have friends and all that stuff. But, like, what goes on in your body when you're around friends is pretty interesting. So, first of all, you know how you get that warm and fuzzy feeling when you're around your friends? It's not a metaphor. It's actually a real thing. So they did an experiment where they had people interact with a warm object and they scan the way their mind works and they scan the part of the, and they found that the brain clearly goes off and says, okay, you're feeling warm right now. That same part of your brain goes off when you're around friends, not even making physical contact with friends, just around them. You actually feel warmer when you're around your friends. And this kind of idea that you experience, that you that you get a certain reaction that isn't necessarily based on like the stimulus also happens when you're around friends and they feel a certain thing. So when a friend of yours is stimulated in a positive way and gets an endorphin rush, which you can measure, you being in their presence will also get one. And that also goes for fear and danger. When your friends are fearful, you become fearful. And I don't mean just in a cognitive way. I mean in a physiological way. You can measure the chemicals in your blood and it shows that. There are actually health benefits to f- have, to friendship that are a bit more than just feeling good. So clearly it lowers depression. But here's the thing. People with long-lasting good friendships actually have a lower likelihood of death from heart disease or chronic health issues. Seriously. What? And, yeah, I'm not kidding. And also, people who have poor friendships or no friendships are... Twice as likely to die prematurely. Mm, uh oh. So, twice <laughs> as likely. So you are, you literally can prolong your life by having friends. So like, YK Kim's gonna live forever at this point. Oh. Um, and they actually, one article I read said not having friends for a large chunk of your life is the equivalent of smoking 20 cigarettes a day. Oh my God. Yeah, that's <laughs> how bad it is for your health. So, having good friendships also makes your immune system stronger. People with strong friendships are 4.2 times less likely to get a cold. A common cold. Friendship increases your immunity to colds. I couldn't believe it. This is insane. Um... Talking to good friends lowers blood pressure. It lowers heart rates during difficult tasks. So if you do a difficult or annoying task with a friend, your heart rate is significantly lower than if you did it alone. And here's an interesting thing. It affects your psychology and actually makes you more positive. They did a study with people where they showed them a slope of a hill that they had to climb and they had to guess the slope right of the hill. And clearly the steeper the hill, the worse it is to climb. For the same hill, if you are with a friend, you look at that hill and say, oh, it's not that steep. I can totally do that. Psychologically speaking, it's less of a hill to climb when you're climbing it with friends. Even when they referenced friends and they weren't even there, people looked at the hill and they're like, Yeah, it's not so bad. Seriously. It was crazy. Wow. Just the thought of friends makes tasks less arduous. Um, and they found out that like having just okay friends is better than none. Like regular acquaintances make people happy. People who have numerous weak tie relationships, like you say hi to the guy at the hot dog stand, or you know you say hi to friends at work, are happier than those people with fewer friends. Okay. Uh, talking to strangers actually brings enjoyment because people have more intimate and deep conversations with strangers than they do with close people. So having uh, friends or making new friends randomly helps you psychologically speaking. And on the counterpoint, there's real negative effects to isolation. You have an increased frequency of heart attack, stroke, and premature death. And premature death increases by 26% if you live in isolation. Uh, And this is actually a really big deal nowadays for two reasons. One, we have a large amount of elderly people and they tend to be in isolation. And two, we're connected with technology which kind of facilitates isolation. So this is really important research because you, from a health standpoint, if you want to, uh, if you want to have longevity in your life, you should actively try to curtail the amount of isolation that you get. So wow. dragon sound, I know we tease them and we're like, oh, friendship, that's so lame. Those guys are going to live for a long, long time. Yeah. Except for Jim, because he's missing a part of his chest. That's it. That's all I got. I thought it was fascinating. I was like, that's "What's amazing. the science of friendship? How good could this be?" And I was like, "Holy crap, man! I got to make more friends."
0: Yeah, me too. I'm nervous. That
1: well, we have uh, that's that is perfect for what we're doing today because again, we this is our our friends here. I know you guys lift me up when I talk with you. We've got a new friend of the show with us here, Chad. Love that you're here, Thank um, you. and we're celebrating part of our whole network of friends, the Lunchador Podcast Network, putting out all these great shows. So yeah, man, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, again, I you guys, you know, my friends, uh, they're a constant source for me of uplift, and uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Jay, for people who haven't seen this movie, uh, do you know where it's streaming right now?
0: Okay, so I was ready for the physical media aspect of you this You can film, go right not-
1: into so Let's talk about streaming or physical media. What is, uh, where can people find this or what? Again, we're big supporters of physical media, support physical media. What is the best, the definitive version of this out there? And if it's available online that you know, where could people go to see it?
0: Yeah, so um, streaming wise, it's because um, I, I just looked it up because I'm very savvy with my phone. Um, it's on Freevee for free. You can stream it yeah. for free. You're also Roku channel, um, and you can also rent it on your, you know, Amazon Prime. But that costs money, so who's doing that? Uh, anyways, physical media. It came out originally on Blu-ray from Draft Draft House Films. They had a uh, Blu-ray line for a few years, and uh, I was really into it. I was sad. I don't know exactly why it stopped, but it was one of their kind of like signature discs that yeah. came out. Um, and then Vinegar Syndrome, uh, another boutique label, reissued it recently on 4K UHD. And by recently, I mean a few years ago. But the the 4K also has the Blu-ray in it, and it's a really gorgeous package. Mike, I think mm-hmm. you picked it up. So, yep, um, it. so that, that's the one to get if you're a physical media fan.
1: Yeah, it's got a lot of great content, really good interviews with the different people. It even has, uh, when Drafthouse uh, re-released this in 2012, they have
0: a, a concert. By yeah. the Panzoon. So. Dragon Sounds reunion. And also mm-hmm. the infomercials from uh that YK Kim yes. did yeah, yes. were, I, I watched that with my mouth open. I was like, Oh my god. It's right. Really so
1: fascinating.
0: This, is, this is where again, why we
1: love physical media. One, uh, it's cool that you can stream stuff and by all means you should absolutely like uh, grab a beer or a soda, or whatever, grab a yeah. friend and watch this movie online. But uh, however you
0: watch the movie, right. The disc is great.
1: Uh, As we know, anything online streaming is bound to not be there. So, uh, you know, support physical media. That's the only way we're going to keep this stuff in rotation. If you're lucky enough to have a holy grail of a VHS of this, you can uh, hold that just for your own proof of coolness. All right. Well, guys, uh, again, this is perfect for uh, us starting off here. Oh, Chad, you got something to add? I just,
3: something just hit me. And I know that we're (laughs) wrapping up, and I apologize. No, I'm thinking about what you just discussed about friends, you know, having them, you know, and it'll prolong your life. And I don't know why it hit me, but that, you know, the big theme is friendship. Jeff didn't have a lot of friends, and he was kind of shocked, and he was upset when his sister had a friend. Yeah. He's going early.
0: Yep. That's interesting. Brilliant.
3: Brilliant. Tying it all too, together. Yeah, I'm sure I'm reading too much into that, but no, I like that me because you think, oh, you know, when he's like a friend, and he doesn't really <laughs> have any other friends. He just has all these guys that you know he does he does, has goons. And does goons. He has yeah. goons. And yeah. meanwhile, Kathy uh, or um, what's her name in the movie Jen? She's got all these friends. Sure. One of the Dragon Sound is a family. So what it.
0: does he have? Yeah, Great. the family that kicks together sticks together.
3: I love
0: it. <laughs> oh. Yes, I need to be Ooh. the next
3: Dragon Sound Shark. <laughs>
1: there we go. There we go. Uh, all right, well, I, there's no way that we can top that. Wonderful insight. Again, Chad, uh, there's one of the many reasons I'm so glad you joined us today. Yes, thank uh, you. I do want to tell our thank audience too. where they can find you uh, to join in, geeking out on all things 80s awesomeness that you love.
3: Yes. Uh, I horror movie barbecue across social media. Um, I have a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Um, and I'm usually very active on Twitter X or Twitter. You know, I'm, I'm always I, I love just being absurd and ridiculous. So come on by hang out chat. Let's talk about no holds barred and my pet monster and yes. all these horrible things, please.
1: Yes, I, I love Sounds it great. because I feel like once a day you'll post something, whether it's like a, a could be anything from a serial to an yep. action figure yes. to yeah. a movie yes. that I'm like, Thank oh you. my god, that when I was like ten, this was the best. Right. Uh, right. Again, Chad we- is a true just through his own interest is a true preservationist of '80s culture. And what I Thank love you. is that you are like on the cutting edge of knowing when all this stuff is being re-released. So I could count Thank on you. you. Like if Ecto Cooler, when it comes back out, or when it has come back out, Chad yeah. is going to make sure I know. So <laughs> yeah, join the fun. Chad has great stuff. Also, if you're into wrestling, like some of us are, Chad mm-hmm. is super into that. Uh, all kinds of conventions and stuff around. So again, make sure you're following him at Horror Movie Barbecue. Uh, and he has a blog too, HorrorMovieBarbecue.com. I
3: do every once in a while. I, I, I'm getting, I'm trying to get back in the habit of um, updating that and kind of, I'm I'm trying to kind of, yeah, maintain that again, kind of get it going because I don't, I, you know, the world is kind of shifting towards podcasting and YouTube and to, I prefer writing myself. It, mm-hmm. it may yeah. be stubborn, but I, I prefer to kind of write. Mm-hmm. Um, so stop on by, check it out. I'm, you know, Who knows when I'll write something.
1: (laughs) Well, and it's a great connection to what we just talked about, too, because I think I saw the last post that you had was about the Umbrella Entertainment physical release of Masters of the Universe, another great 80s movie. Mm -hmm. How much time do we have to talk about that? If this is your wheelhouse, this 80s physical media, Masters Mm -hmm. of the Universe, again, check out horrormoviebarbecue.com. Chad did a really nice write-up of that. and uh, Chad, am I remembering correctly... Were you, I'm just segueing, but I'm just going to, just mm-hmm. a brief sojourn. Did I see you were on the, one of the releases of The Wizard? Were you interviewed in that? <laughs> I was. I, I am part of the
3: documentary and um, they also include a bunch of like my advertisements and scans.
0: Um, That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah,
3: I, I love that movie with all my heart. I actually just did a um, another podcast, so if you don't mind me name dropping it, totally right Absolutely, Christmas. please do. Yeah, totally rad Christmas with my friend uh, Jerry and uh, Mike, and uh, we talked about the wizard and so good. The uh, it, it's so bad, it's so rad, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's uh, <laughs> it needs to be
1: discussed.
3: <laughs> it does. It does. Well,
1: definitely. T- they said that's totally rad. Christmas is the podcast. Yes. Yes. All right. Excellent. Well, we're gonna check that out. We What's hope up? all of you listen to that too. Uh, carry this on again to all our listeners. Thank you again for tuning in to this special preview of our upcoming season. Once upon a time in the '80s, we hope you all are excited for the fun times with '80s classics ahead. To keep up to date on the upcoming season, that again we're looking at launching about uh, mid-late February. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter X, Instagram, Threads, TikTok, Facebook at Punches and Popcorn. And for even more fun, again make sure you check out our partner shows on the Lunch Door Podcast Network that just went through a major launch. Lots of exciting stuff happening on the network now, and we're honored to be a part of the network and be part of this big relaunch with today's special episode. Give a listen to our partner shows like Food About Town, Behind the Glass, Level Up Podcast, Behind the Studio Door, Mind of Magnus, and of course, the pod that made us, the Anomaly Film Festival Podcast. Until next time, remember, the secret of friendship is... Good night. This has been a presentation of the Lunch Podcast Network.